Hello and welcome to The Heart of It, the podcast that gets to the heart of what we do and why we do it. I'm your host, writer and author Kate Sevilla, and each week I'll be taking a closer look at the working lives of passionate and creative people. This week, our guest is Ben Williams, a former Royal Marines commando, now turned tech entrepreneur and author of the new book, Commando Mindset. Ben has an incredible story of how he struggled with drug addiction and mental health issues before turning his life around and joining the Royal Marines. I talk with him about what it's like to lose your job as a Royal Marine and transition to a life not only as a civilian, but in the world of tech. He also shares with us how getting his foot stuck in a hanging basket on a roof in Afghanistan helped give him perspective on his priorities and what really mattered to him most. Plus, of course, Ben shares with us what's ultimately at the heart of what he does. Ben Williams, thank you so much for joining us in the Heart of It podcast. How are you? I'm very well. Your book is called The Commando Mindset, Find Your Motivation, Realize Your Potential, Achieve Your Goals. Mm. And that's out with a penguin business. I, I remember in the book, you do say that you started writing it, maybe was it five years ago or longer? Yeah, basically it was... I think around 2017 and I just started writing to just get some thoughts off my chest and kind of put a part of my life to bed you know the the military side of life the 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 tough things that come with that I was just trying to put it to bed and I actually was doing some stuff with some guys at a charity at the time a mental health charity and he just one of the guys happened to say hey do you know just picking up the guitar or doing something creative is really healthy for your for your mental health and I was like mm, yeah had a little play around start typing some things I already played the guitar so I had these two things to go and just create and being in my own world and stick the earphones in and and then all of a sudden with the writing I was like well wow, this is some this is pretty cool and I was actually reading Simon Sinek's Leaders Eat Last at the time I say reading I was listening to it and yeah I was listening to it at the time and then I thought wow if he can talk about this kind of thing that happened to him in Afghanistan and what his learnings were from it then I think I have something here as well and that's where it kind of began and spoke to my wife about it I was like do you reckon this is a good idea she had a little read of what I'd put down she was like there's definitely something wrong with you um but yeah go for it and uh, let's see what happens and that's where it all sort of begun that's um, wonderful and also <laughs> I love that yeah this sounds like you're dealing with some with some shit here yeah. but um, <laughs> you're I, feel, dark mofo. I feel like once you work through that this could be something dear <laughs> yeah. um you you open your book with a, a really harrowing story of, of how you were injured in Afghanistan in 2011 and mm. it was an injury that you say that changed your life forever was this injury part of how you ended up leaving the Royal Marines no it wasn't it was uh it was that moment that led to my sort of subsequent dismissal several years later but um it was a very loud bang which wiped us out and that left me with some quite difficult hearing problems the flesh wounds were sort of scratches compared to everyone else and flesh wounds heal so the sort of physical damage wasn't too bad but the hearing damage was quite bad but it was something I managed to hide for quite some time in the military, you have regular hearing tests, but mm-hmm. there's a way of doing it that you can actually sort of cheat the system. I can say that now because yeah. I'm out of the military. <laughs> and then I was going on a course towards um, 2017, yeah, and um, they changed the hearing test. And that was kind of it, you know, didn't do very well on one, on the test. And uh, my hearing imperfection was quite clear. And that was it. The doctor was like, okay, this isn't good. We're going to have to run a load of tests now. And we're going to have to probably 
process you for discharge it's like you won't set in so i managed to just get to my 10 year point before they gave me the boot up the ass but it was yeah it was a moment that changed my life but i think it changed my life in in so many good ways as much as it did bad ways as well like tell me about what the process is like when you're dismissed or you're you're leaving the royal marines because for civilians job loss is really difficult and a lot of our identities are wrapped up in our jobs. But there's a big difference, I think, being dismissed from the Royal Marines and the connection to your identity that you have there is very different than being like, I'm a Googler. <laughs> like, mm. Those are kind of different ends of the spectrum. What? Tell me about what that's like. Yeah, I. you'd have read it in a book about my life before the Marines and the drug problems and, and you know, the the battle with internal thoughts. And I think for me, getting told I was leaving the military was scary in the sense of, oh shit, what if I fall back to that way? And, and part of that reason for being like that before the Marines was a lack of purpose, a lack of fulfillment. And there was this quite scary thought when I was leaving that, oh shit, what, what if this all comes back and that purpose goes away and that fulfillment? But there's that degree of maturity within it where it's like, no, that was old Ben. You know, I get coaching now and my coach allows me to bring out old Ben. She allows me to bring out new Ben, uh, funny Ben, and, you know, all these little characters. And actually, that was a part of my life that has got me to here. And it's a part of my life that I no longer need to live. It gives me experiences that I can have conversations with people about drug use, suicide, and and things like that. I can have conversations with my children, which I would love to think that would guide them. Yeah, and it's been able to have that conversation with my children, my friends, and all this stuff. But there's a degree of maturity having two children, having a mortgage, a wife, and a life. There's no reason to go back to that. And actually, I did find that leaving the military, I had about a year's grace. So they said, you're going to be leaving at this time. Um, Okay, that's pretty shit. I don't want to be leaving, but it is what it is. And actually, strangely, I'd done near 10 years and I thought well now it's maybe time to do something else time to do something different and I just found something else to get my teeth stuck into which kept that purpose it kept that fulfillment and I could use those experiences to help guide me further now but also help other people so yes it's it was tough at first but it I think it's a great thing that's happened being a veteran what is that actually like that that transition period because I know that it can be very traumatic and very difficult, I think, depending on what's happened to you and, and the reasons why you're leaving. Yeah. So my business partner now, Tomo, he was medically discharged a year before me. And he went into the civilian world and went straight into the corporate community, went in as a consultant. And he went from being a Royal Marines officer, which is a very you know highly regarded role in the marines and, and the british and if not you know international militaries to get in a hundred refusals on his cv wow <laughs> i joke with him now it's like how the fuck did you write that thing <laughs> yeah. what yeah, did you put was, in there maybe there was Hi, something else going Dan. on here <laughs> <laughs> yeah. do you just draw a picture is it them or is like... it you dude is it them or you uh but it it you know but that wasn't the case that's... and it was yeah and wow. it's it's frightening to sort of know that that yeah no one's listening. And I think he left at a time when it was just, it, it was hard to get work. It Maybe being a veteran at the time was more difficult than it is now to get work. And uh, he had a real struggle, but we met each other, you know, quite luckily. And we 
we began the business while I was still serving, you know, I was moonlighting. Tell me so, about the business. So is this, is this Vanguard Global Solutions, right? Yeah. Yeah. Our, uh, our little baby VGS. So VGS has very much become a holding company now for what we do. We realize now that it sounds like a, a major global security company. <laughs> 100%. And, uh, and so it's actually become um, a small little company that we've built some subsidiaries off. And two of those subsidiaries is Find Your Edge Coaching, which is a very sort of physical side of coaching, consulting, getting in workshops, which is a little bit on pause at the moment. And then also Lupin, which is our tech product that we're launching next year. So, yeah, we started the business to we literally had a conversation about changing the world. (laughs) As cliche as it sounds. And uh, he was stalking me on LinkedIn for ages. I was like, who's this dude stalking me? (laughs) And uh, he finally got in touch. He's like, oh, mate, can we have a chat? And I was like, yeah, I got about 15 minutes for you. That's about it. <laughs> not even a coffee. <laughs> no, not even a coffee. Just an arrogant piece of shit. And uh, he's like, oh, cool. And then we're on the phone for two and a half hours. And then half an hour after being on the phone, I was drawing our logo and all this type of stuff. And it's just it was just a really cool way to start going into business and seeing what Civilian Street's all about. And, you know, kind of took it from there, really. And it's, yeah, we've had great fun since. Yeah, I think so. I've I've met Tomo, and I we were at the Penguin Business Showcase, and uh, you were on stage talking. And there is this, what I can only describe the sort of feeling coming off of him was proud dad, where he had his arms up holding a phone recording, <laughs> recording. <laughs> and I was just like, who is this guy? And I think that that that, that, that vision probably really nicely kind of encapsulates uh, yeah. the, the relationship. Was I, was I like the child on stage, just waving aimlessly? <laughs> just like Hello. looking over super proud. <laughs> yeah, he's a good guy. And we've had a really tough year this year, like everyone else. And it's, yeah. it's good to be partnered in business with someone who comes from the Marines because when things get really shit, you can look at one another and sort of smile and go, right, what do we do next? <laughs> how yeah. do we how do we do this? Um, and it's been brilliant. We've got a great partnership and it's 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 why we're still here, that partnership. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's really important to be, I think in, if you're in business with somebody, being in business with somebody who knows so much and can relate so much to your background and to your experiences, that makes a huge difference. Well, we we mentor several business partners and, and um, people who run their own businesses, younger people, and we we're always clear to them, if your partnership's not right and you haven't got that foundation, you know, when it's tested most, that's when it, when you see a true partnerships, when it's tested, when things have just constantly hit in the fan and it's all falling apart and you just want to cry, that's when your partnership shows. And if it's not there, your business will never last in my eyes because you are the business, you, you're the driving force to get it to where you need to be. So it's fundamental. Yeah, absolutely. Um, am I right? You didn't go to university, did you? No, I went to the Commando University. Yes. No, I so I, I didn't go to the Commando University, but I didn't go to university either. And I think what's interesting is that uh, you and I have both written books um, that are essentially about mindset and going after what it is that, that you really want, mind you, in completely kind of different approaches between us. And you're very, you, you point this out in the book that you're not a trained psychologist. I think I say that several times in my book. I'm not a mental health professional, but does imposter syndrome ever creep up for you? Like when you're doing something like launching a, a tech company like you've done this year, mm. does that find its way in, into your own psychology or is that kind of something that doesn't really affect you? It, it it used to it really used to uh, and not so much actually 
been in business. I think the first year of leaving the Marines and finding my my feet in business, I, I yeah, it was definitely present. But that's one of my old sort of characters. Old Ben was he, he didn't like you know imposter mm-hmm. syndrome, and 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 that was very much there. Um, I've kind of learned to not give a fuck really now, yeah. and and. I think what I struggle with most is humility and trying to stay humble because one of the core values of the Marines is humility. And we pride ourselves on, on being humble. Like we'll share all the stories and do all the strange grim things to one another. And we're drunk and we fight each other. And we're, we're like packs of animals, but great packs of animals. And it, but it all stays within the wire. The moment yeah. you step outside, no one really talks about their experiences, which I don't think is the healthiest thing. But I think that, is built into us because of our values is no, we won't go telling you too much about us because we don't want to be gobbing off about it. We don't want to be showing off about it. Uh, says me, who's going to written a book about, but um, (laughs) it's uh, I think that stuck with me for quite some time. And even writing the book like yourself, I, I, I know I wrote paragraph after paragraph of saying, I don't have the most amount of medals and I'm not the highest officer and I'm not trained in this and I'm not a psychologist. And our editor, yeah, she was really good. And it's just like, stop it <laughs> you're, you're great don't you don't need to tell the world you're not good enough um yeah. and that you're not qualified to speak on this otherwise you wouldn't be doing this and i think that was a good thing for me to hear really at the start of this writing journey was actually yeah and if people want to listen they want to listen if they don't want to listen they can go to somewhere else um and i'm fine with that and i've got lots of one-on-one clients and i work with lots of businesses and i think actually people are looking for a refreshing different take on life now they're yes. looking for new perspectives. It's not always the white coat that can solve your problem. And yes, they, they are there to do that. But the way I, and I don't know if you're the same, but the way I've lived my life and learned to live it over the last few years is our lives are a cocktail and you just look around and what's the best ingredients? What's the best recipe to create and, and put in this cocktail and shake it up and make it so it's yours. Um, and that means I learn a little bit from him over there and a little bit from her over there and all these things and bring it together instead of just thinking, there's only set people in this world who know mm-hmm. and everyone else has just got an opinion. Yes. And so often the the people who know all look the same and they all sound the same and they're from the same places. Yeah, no, totally agree. Um, you mentioned values and that's actually something that I really wanted to talk to you about. So you you list a lot of the, the Royal Marine values and in that is excellence and self-discipline. Yeah, because there's this kind of misconception about perfection. Um, mm. And especially look at the military, everything must be perfect. Well, actually, it's it's not about perfection. It's about striving for excellence. And if you're if you're striving for excellence, then you're going to be that sort of one or two percent away from perfection. But perfection doesn't exist. Nothing is perfect. Um, mm. There's a great saying in the military with, when you're working in the field is there's no straight lines in nature. Uh, and, and that's actually down to spotting, you know, what is man-made and what's not man-made. And I think that's a really nice way of looking at it. There are no straight lines. It's it's there is a lack of perfection, and we shouldn't strive for perfection. We should strive for excellence. And I remember my corporal saying to me when I was a young recruit, saying, "If you're doing one percent better today, or just doing one percent more, sorry, said every day, then you're always improving. And that means you can have the worst day on earth, but if you do that one percent more, just that extra bit of effort, it doesn't matter if it's the worst day ever. It's still helping you strive and that's what excellence looks like and I also think excellence when it comes to rest and things like that is 
I can be a right lazy bastard. You know, it's, <laughs> everyone expects this kind of get up at 5 a.m. and make the bed and all those things is, nah, I lived 10 years doing that. And yeah. I like to lay in. And if I'm feeling fresh, I'll get up. And I, I think part of that excellence is learning to listen to yourself. You know, you mm. make, you're making your machine and your mindset as excellent as possible. Well, then give it the rest. Give it the beer it deserves. Give it the kebab. <laughs> give it the run. Give it the book. You know, all these things. It's all down to aware- self-awareness, isn't it? And um, that's where I really think that excellence fits is just is striving for that excellence in whatever remit that is within your life. No, that's interesting because also in there is cheerfulness, which I wasn't expecting. <laughs> and, yeah. you, and you write about how that's that's really about having a, a positive mindset and being able to laugh even when things are pretty fucked up. Yeah. How do you guys balance that then with if you're struggling properly with your mental health? Yeah, and I've been there myself. It's the cheerfulness in the face of adversity is you're covered in mud. You're, you're tired you're thrashed you're just out of breath and you look across and a young male is looking back at you in the same position and he's just like this is fucking shit and you laugh <laughs> and you go yeah this is really fucking shit you just get on with it but there's there's a time and a place you know the, the marines are very much known for their sort of humor in that sense but you don't laugh at the occasions that it really has hit the fan and it's not funny you can watch those so many videos i've got so many on my laptop of engagements with the enemy and and you can hear people going whoa and it's just like (laughs) why are we saying this but there's a time and a place and and I also remember feeling very lonely in the marines you know after getting back from Afghan and feeling quite lonely in my head thinking I'm not finding anything funny at the moment um everyone else around me seems to be fine and I feel fucked what do I need to do and that that's a really lonely place suddenly cheerfulness doesn't really exist at that point and again, like I mentioned just recently, it's, it's about having that awareness to be looking outside yourself, to be able to look back and go, you're not cool, you're not well, you're not happy, you need to do something about it. And it comes down to that accountability, doesn't it? So yeah, cheerfulness in, in the face of adversity is something that we pride ourselves on, but there's it, very much a time and a place as well for it. This whole pandemic's fucking shit, but there's elements in it you can find that you can laugh and you can be positive. You absolutely have to. One of the other values was, or kind of the elements of having a commando mindset was around failure and your relationship to it. What was your relationship like to failure when you were in the Marines? And then is it the same now in in your civilian life? Has it changed? Yeah, it has. It has changed. When you go through commando training, you're encouraged to not fail, but it's the whole do it wrong now. So when you're in battle, you're not going to do it wrong. That's that's kind of that thinking. Yeah, because fucking up when you're in the Marines, that's a lot different than just like putting a cell in a spreadsheet wrong <laughs> in an office job. Yeah, there's some severe things you can fuck up and you're going to get charged for and get in a, a lot of trouble for. Again, the, my corporal in training was a very wise person. And he, and he said, you know, one of our values is integrity. And he said, your integrity is your virginity. You can only lose it once. Um, mm. in the marines and that comes down to admitting your mistakes that was a very big thing of it you know don't hide from your fuck-ups and it, it's strange isn't it because i think most of us we have mums and well, definitely my mum was like tell me the truth you know i won't be as angry <laughs> with you if you if you tell me the truth as opposed to when you lie and then you tell the truth and you get in the shit and you're like <laughs> well, hang on 
Well, you, you lied, mum. Yeah, well, you lying or was this just going to be worse if I was lying? And so you kind of don't buy into that one. But actually, when you join something like the military and the Marines, especially where just tell me when you fucked up and we'll make it right. And it is it was always that, you know, if you fuck up, you've got to do 50 press ups. If you hide it, you're out there in the mud having a very, 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 very bad time. Uh, and that's that brings out that maturity. And you have to fail. You have to miss the target. You know, no pun intended. But with shooting, you have to fail. You have to fall behind on the runs you have to fail some tests because it teaches you who you are I think when I passed training and moved through my career I was a little bit more wary of failure I didn't want to fail as much because then once you're a marine you know and you earn your green berry then it actually looks a bit like you're shit and unprofessional so training 32 weeks is a great place to begin to learn that failure but then when you start to go through your career you're more aware of it and I think that came with me into the civilian world for a good year where I was like, I cannot fail this business because other people will think I fucked it up. Actually, now I'm like, I don't care what you think. You know, <laughs> yeah. At least I give it a go. We're doing really well. If it goes wrong, we'll make it right. And if it doesn't work out, we'll do something different. That's yeah. something that's striving for excellence thing, which is yeah, a lot exactly. of about intent and, yeah. what, and what you mean to do. Yeah. One of the lines that I really liked in the book was when you wrote, I realized that every single one of us, civilian or commando, owns the ability to unlock an elite way of thinking and being. Because to be honest, if it were me, and you mentioned humility before, I think I would really struggle adjusting, knowing what it's like to watch your colleagues, your friends die. Mm. And then coming into this world where people are pissed off that none of the avocados are ripe. Um, did you, <laughs> how have you kind of adjusted? Like, has that been a struggle for you? Honestly, when you hear kind of different levels of issues out in the real world where you're like, God, if you only fucking knew. Yeah. <laughs> um, my view is honestly that we all have scars. Everyone has mental and physical scars. And actually there are people in this world who've been through far fucking worse than I have. And I am very content with the fact that actually the severe situations I put myself in and found, you know, witnessing people getting blown up or killed or doing that yourself to other people, I put myself there. I signed the dotted line. I chose to join the Marines at the height of the Afghan war, knowing that that's where we we're going to go. So I in no way come back to the UK and go, you don't know what I've fucking been through, man. And I don't look at the civilian world and, and think, you just don't know what it's like. You just don't know what it's yeah. like. Because I think that's the wrong way of thinking because actually there's people out there who are, are are suffering, riddled with cancer. They have awful diseases, you know, third world starvation, all these things where people live tough fucking lives and yeah. we all go through tough experiences. You would have yourself. Um, and I think putting that into how that looks now, the only thing I kind of look at right now and think, you don't know how fucking easy you got it is the pandemic and that we're all locked in our houses with Netflix and the internet. And actually it's not too bad. Yeah. I really wanted to ask you about that. Like what has this year been like for you? Uh, it's been really interesting to re observe. I've worked with about four and a half thousand people now just through one-on-ones all the way through to big like talks and webinars. And um, this year for our business has been super tough overnight everything was wiped off the table from live workshops to fuck all yeah. and it was really scary 
And there have been moments this year where I thought, Do you know what, I wish I was back in Sangin, walking around with no body armor or a weapon, playing IED hopscotch and ridiculous things like that, because it was just easier. <laughs> it's just a, easier. in a weird way, a little bit more straightforward. Because it's basic. It's, I found out there it's a very basic way of living, you know, as a human. But, you know, there's things that's happened this year where we secured funding for our business, uh, new venture. And then so we took on a new team. And so our overheads. Yeah, you launched a new business this year. It's called Tap App, right? Yeah, and Tap App's there, and underneath that's where Lupin sits as the product. But yeah, the um, the funding fell through right the last second, and so Tomo and I had to cough up everyone's salary for four, close to five months straight, and try and secure new funding during the worst economical downturn and there'd been mo- that's when i think i'm glad i did my audio recording during that period because i got to go back over my own beliefs and my own messages and think fuck this is really difficult yeah but we can do it you know there's there's this tenacity within it and my belief is if you can do it during the hardest of times whatever that is that might be starting a new hobby a business whatever it is if you can do it during the hardest of times when it gets easier again life will be pretty sweet so yeah, it has. I've definitely taken a leaf out of my own book. I've read my own book <laughs> for the sake of getting me through this pandemic. But oh, um, good. yeah, there's there's some comparables, you know, being locked in your house outside. There's an invisible enemy. It's the same as living in Afghan. You're locked in a compound, and then you go out, and there's these hidden bombs in the ground. There's, there's some relevant things, and you can take a lot from that mindset. It, uh, it's interesting, just collectively, people's reactions to it. It's just, there's been times where I've been like, yeah, this is absolutely terrible. But then when you hear people comparing it to the Blitz, I'm like. Yeah, it's one of those times you just have to get on with it. That's my true yeah. belief. That's, we just have to get on with it. And it's just shit. It's not nice, but it will teach us a lot for the future. I think I've been quite inspired by a lot of people this year who have gone, I was valuing the wrong thing. I was spending yeah. too much time focusing on, on on the uncontrollable. And I should have been looking at my kids and my wife and I was the same. It's like, shit, I was burning too much time there. I don't think enough people realize how good this is going to be for us in the future. It's shit now. It's adversity. Of course it is. But in the future, years, months, maybe even weeks from here, we're going to be like, I've got a stronger mindset. I'm pretty resilient. Now what can I do in my life? That's compelling. It is. And what was interesting in your book is that I also wrote about a kind of moment that changes your perspective of what is actually important but mine happened in a much safer environment than yours did so for me in the book i write about this thing called an obituary exercise which i had to do on a on a meditation course Ooh, nice but you had to think about okay if i had to write my obituary today would i be happy with what it sounds like and then you had to think about okay what would i actually want it to sound like mm-hmm. and then what do i want my life to be like in five years time. And then you journal about that. And then for me, that kind of helped completely shift. I was like, what the fuck am I doing? Alternatively, um, yours happened when you were uh, pinned by a marksman on a roof (laughs) while hiding in the Marines in Afghanistan with your boot literally stuck in a hanging basket. And you at that moment (laughs) write about how you realize, okay, I might be shot and killed. I feel like I regret not spending more time with my friends and family, and perhaps I was living a bit more isolated than I wanted to. Mm. Pandemic aside, how do you kind of reassess and check in with yourself when you don't have that 
really um, stressful <laughs> life and death situation. Well, first off, I watched that video. You have a video of that happening? Yeah, someone was running around the corner as it was happening. And as they come around the corner, uh, there I am. <laughs> with my, my in legs the stuck hanging in a basket, which again isn't funny because you could have died. <laughs> yeah, Cheerfulness in the face of adversity. It's a good story. <laughs> yeah. So I first off, I watched that, and I keep my green beret just sat on my desk at work. It's not even. It's not nicely put in a frame or anything. It's just rolled up in there on the side, as it would have been on my desk when I was serving. Uh, I just look at it every now and then. It's my little reminder of what I've been through and who I am and what it's made me but the other thing that keeps me going is definitely my children you know Simon Sinek talks about the why I I find it more of tapping into your inspiration uh, which I wrote about in the book which is the ice model uh, about inspiration courage and enactment and having something that truly inspires you is the thing you need when it gets tough you know uh, in combat, that's fine. You've got your brothers and sisters around you who can help get through those moments. But in, in the UK during a pandemic or tough business times, it's it's not so immediate. The stress isn't as immediate. It's, it's more prolonged. And you need those things to just keep you going. And, you know, I'll openly say that I cried into my wife's arms earlier this year because we thought our business was going under and I don't know how I was going to save it. And I was asking, am I doing the right thing? Because I was thinking, am I putting us all at risk? Do I really need to do this? Could could I just not go on my own and be a coach and make several thousand pounds a month and be settled? No, it's bigger than that. We can do more. And you need those moments to just, as we would say, take a knee, go firm, Mm -hmm. take a knee, assess, be vulnerable, be weak, then build. And having those children there and my wife, which inspire me to just go, okay, this is a low moment. Now we go. And it's so good. It's refreshing. It's nice. It's healthy um, to have it. Yeah. And and that's how I've kind of navigated the last few years is having those guys there is the backbone of everything. Yeah. No, that's, that's really beautiful. <laughs> Another sentence that you wrote in this book, you talk about your previous Ben. You talk about how you probably experienced way too many things um, that you shouldn't have done. At, at such a young age, but obviously that that helps inform your resilience and your your kind of level of, of personal responsibility. As a parent, how do you kind of approach emphasizing how important it is to kind of own your own shit without obviously them having to go through the same intense things that you went through? They're young, so they have everything ahead of them. And if they turned around, I think my daughter's more likely to be the Marine than my son. But if they turned around and said, this is where I want to go in life, then they can go in that direction and they can experience that intensity. On the other hand, there is my ability to give my opinion on things that I've been through. And when they get a bit older, talk about those things that weren't healthy for me and weren't good for me. It's, it's right to do that. And we do that now. Not so much Layla, who's three, but Zach, who's seven, his eyes are far wider to the world. He's a very intelligent child. And so you have to have those mature conversations with him. You know, he picked up on Black Lives Matter this year. Um, yeah. And having that kind of conversation with a seven-year-old is is difficult to have it, to mm. get the message across correctly. And so I just, I have found being a parent has 
I've used a lot of my experiences to talk to him, you know, definitely Zach who's older. I talk about obviously where I've been and he really respects the poppy and is, mm. is a big believer in that where we live. He's still in a class with a few of the Marine children as well. So he's part of a small community. Layla's just three, so she, she'll get it's it. It's harder to. <laughs> yeah. But I think actually one of the, mo- the, the best things I found being a parent, my children have taught me so much about myself and tenacity what it looks like tenacity looks like as a child what it looks like to not give a fuck and it that fearless attitude is great you know to watch that within our children that fearless i'm going to give this a go and see what happens yeah do it and i think actually the parenting side is empowering that you know empowering that failure fall off your bike it's gonna hurt and i'm not going to be there to catch you because you need to learn i know there'll be people listening now go what i can't fall off a bike but you have to. You absolutely yeah. have to. You can't wrap him in cotton wool. My lad learned to ride his bike without stabilizers because he mm-hmm. had to learn that sort of more harder way. That's our kind of belief. We're very relaxed parents, but our belief is no, you've got to suffer. Yeah. And you've got to discover your suffering. Because that's and you've got to work that's out how to get you build it. resilience. Otherwise, if if you don't know what it's like to fall off your bike, how do you know how to get back up again? Or that actually it's not that bad most of the time when you fall off your bike. It's just, you know, skin your knee. So, yeah, it all came clearer for me last year and how we approached this type of uh, inspiring our children, encouraging failure, but also being really honest with them. My son won a race at Sports Day by a country mile as well. And that, as a former Marine, I was really proud. I was like, yeah, God, son, <laughs> at the sideline. But he come running over after the race and he's like, I won, I won. He's got this awesome I won sticker on and then another sticker next to it and he went but everyone else got a prize why has everyone else got a prize I won the race and there's that moment when you think oh what what, what's the the correct door to go through here the left door or the Mm -hmm. right door the left door is well mate everyone took part so everyone deserves to be praised for taking part and all this type of stuff or go down the right door which is yeah I disagree with that with you mate you won the race you should be rewarded for winning the race and that's it that's the door I chose to go down because I believe that's who I am and that's integral of my children and, and that's not what I want them to believe, but I will allow them to believe or understand what I believe. And so, yeah, we have the conversation around winning the race and what it means. And uh, I think yeah. it's important to have those discussions with them. Absolutely. Because also it's not like you went, wait a second, my son won and you got a prize. Fuck this. <laughs> that's, yeah. Like, that's not, he noticed Ripping it. off the other kid's shirt. <laughs> yeah, give me exactly. that. Trash the whole thing. You get kicked out. But it's like, but it wasn't you leading that. He noticed and picked up on it. And rather than being like, well, let me lie to you about my thoughts on this. You just were like, yeah, I know. Bit crap, but yeah. you still won. <laughs> Yeah, that's all it takes. I think that's why he's a bit more mature because you have that honest chat with him. Yeah, no, absolutely. Mm. Um, The Royal Marines was your was your childhood dream and in in a lot of ways saved you and changed your life. Ultimately, now in this kind of new new chapter of your life, what has been the kind of common thread throughout everything what do you think is kind of at the heart of what it is that you do and kind of all that you've done yeah this is going to sound really sort of aggressive but it doesn't mean to me and I'll (laughs) I'll elaborate further but I think it's the fight and and the reason I say that is and I had a real problem with that and I had 
real bad anger issues that led me to getting involved in violence. And I felt that that was my outlet, you know, to engage in combat with someone else, which isn't right. And I'm not proud of that, but it's in the past now. There's nothing I can really do about it. Discovering that chapter was, was what I thought I was. So who I thought I was, I thought I was this sort of meant to be doing that. It turns out I wasn't. And, and as I've discovered through my life, I think at the heart of it is this inner fight. It's this tenacity to get something done. It begun in that way, in a not very nice way of doing it and working as a bouncer and getting involved in trouble. It then sort of progressed into, actually, I'm going to do more with this. And when you're trying to get over the six foot wall with all your kit on, on an assault course or get around the endurance course or complete the 30 miler or, or run to a compound whilst the Taliban are shooting at you, that, that's fight. Mm-hmm. That's that inner beast that's saying, let's get this done. Let's get this done. And I think that was, for me, a massive turning point. To be like, it's not about the violence. Stop being a dick. It's it's about what's inside of you, which is trying to get something done. And I, that's where I find it now. You know, entrepreneurs, I, th- I, I put myself into that bracket because I'm creating a business and a young startup. It's this year when it got tough you have to dig in deep and fight and you have to have that grit and you have to have that almost dog grit determination that I'm not letting go of this and I'm going to keep going and you fight for your children and you and it's not about fight's not a violent word fight is to go for something to to take what you think is yours to to achieve it and I think for anyone listening and, and lots of people I work with, I'm always trying to inspire that fight in people not to go out and be a dick on a Saturday night, not that we can, <laughs> but to fight that fear. You know, I want to set up my own business, but I'm worried about it. You've got to fight that fear. You've got to fight that anxiety. You've got to fight that worry. And you've got to go and do it because you'll forever be unhappy and riddled with guilt when you don't go and do it. And many years from now, when you're lying on your deathbed in your tartan blanket, slowly passing away you'll have those regrets as Bronnie Ware pointed out in her book and that for me is the key to it now I'm so content like I don't care if people eyeball me I don't really care what you think of my past and and it's not a belligerent don't care it's just I'm at I'm at peace and content with who I am and I know that fight within me now is to get shit done you know I named a chapter in the book get shit done that's to get the business done to make a great family it's to enjoy life, fight for a good life, you know, all those things. And that's what <laughs> might not be the best title for your podcast, but for me at the heart of it is this sort of inner fight to to achieve what I set out to achieve. Yeah. Um, so what's next for you? So I know you've launched your your business tap app this year. Yeah. What's next for Ben? Yeah. So under Tap App, we're releasing the product Loopin. So Loopin is a, a SaaS integration at the moment, which sits on Slack and is going to be on Teams soon. Or it just asks you how you are in the morning. You answer basically with a with an emoji. If your emoji is looking frowny or down, it's going to ask you if you're sad or frustrated. And then it generates some tips for you to say, oh, why don't you go try this? But also then it feeds through to the looping dashboard, which your team's on, and everyone basically checks in on one another. And we're bringing a live element to it as well. So very content-driven, so we can put people to the right places. We're getting backed by Cardiff University. And it's really exciting. And... You know, that that comes out of the ashes of COVID and for the right reasons as well. You know, Tomo and I are an adamant in creating a nicer social media, somewhere where people can actually be safe to be themselves. And where can our listeners find you online? Uh, you can go to my Instagram, which is Ben underscore Williams underscore CM. 
That's where I'm most lively. Or you can find me on LinkedIn, which I think is Ben underscore Williams underscore VGS. That's where you'll find me. Uh, not too lively on Twitter. but uh, I mean, I that's because it's a trash that. pile, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. No, I'm not too keen on that one. No. But yeah, I'm on Instagram. Come and find me. Let's hook up and say hello. Wonderful. Ben, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Now, admittedly, before I spoke with Ben, I had to Google what exactly a Royal Marines commando was, so it was interesting to meet with somebody who has a completely different background and life experience to myself, and I would guess most of our listeners. But ultimately, we still had a lot of things in common, including, as it happens, the publication date for our books, as both of our books come out on the 14th of January. Heroics aside... I think one of the most impressive things Ben shared was his ability to not only have perspective, but a huge amount of empathy for people from all different walks of life who have different levels of struggle, and to not use his really extreme and unique version of hardship and loss against those in the civilian world. I'm not sure I would be able to do the same. I'd love to hear your thoughts about how you exercise empathy, and if that's something you've perhaps struggled with, particularly throughout the pandemic. Give us a shout at Heart of It Podcast on Instagram. Thank you again for listening to today's episode. You can subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you may get your podcasts from. And you can follow us on social media at Heart of It Podcast. <laughs>